Chapter 11. A Total Loss. Total Loss. Noun. Goods so damaged that there's no point in repairing them. Or they can't be repaired at all. The first cup was an easy sell. The second cup, too. It was on the third cup that a little girl, about six years old, said, Ew, there's a bug in my drink. Then her brother said, Oh, there's one in mine, too. Gross, said an older boy on a skateboard. There are, like, three in mine. I want my money back, man. He said, dumping his lemonade on the ground. The mother of the little girl and the boy looked into their cups carefully. I think you need to check your lemonade, honey, she said to Evan. Evan unscrewed the cap and everyone looked in. The surface was swimming with dead bugs, fruit flies, worms, and a soggy brown caterpillar. Oh my goodness, said the mother. The boy started spitting on the ground like he was going to die. The girl started wailing, Mommy, I drink bugs! I have bugs in my tummy! Evan couldn't believe his eyes. How did this happen? Did they crawl in somehow? They couldn't have. He had screwed the wood on tightly. He was sure of it. And anyway, one or two bugs crawling in, maybe, but 50 dead fruit flies and two inchworms and a caterpillar? It just wasn't possible. Evan was burning with embarrassment as everyone looked at him in his buggy lemonade. Frantically, he reached into the cooler and started to scoop out the dead bugs with his hands. Uh, sweetheart, said the mother, you can't sell that lemonade. I'll, I'll get them all, said Evan. I'll, I'll get everyone last, every last one out. No, dear, you, you really can't. You need to dump it out, she said. Evan looked at her like she was crazy. Dump it out. Dump it out? He'd spent $40 of his hard-earned money on that lemonade and another dollar for the cups. He wasn't going to dump it out. I'll do it at home, he said. No, you should do it here, I think. I need to be sure it's all disposed of properly. Evan looked at her. He didn't know her, but he knew her type. Boy, did he know her type. She was the kind of mother who thought she was the mother of the whole world. If you were on a playground and she thought you were playing too rough, she'd tell you. If you were chewing gum in line at the 7-Eleven, she'd say, I sure hope that's sugarless. Mothers like that never minded just their own business or their kids' business. They thought they had to take care of every kid in the kingdom. It's too heavy for me to dump, he said. I'll take it home and my mom can help. I'll help, said the busybody mother of the world. All we need to do is tip it a little. She grabbed one handle of the big cooler. Evan had no choice but to grab the other handle. Together they tipped and the lemonade poured out of the top of the cooler. They poured and poured and poured. The lemonade sparkled in the sunlight like a bejeweled waterfall and then disappeared without a trace, soaking into the parched September grass. As the last sloosh of lemonade slipped out of the cooler, a slick of mud poured out. Oh my goodness, said the mother. Evan couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe how quickly his victory had turned to defeat. It was just like the lemonade. It had disappeared into the grass, leaving nothing behind. A total loss. The mother smiled sympathetically as Evan 
returned her $2. The skateboard dude had already skated off with his refund. There was nothing to do but go home. Evan walked slowly, dragging the, dragging the wagon with the empty cooler rattling inside. With every step he took, the wagon handle poked him in the rear end. Step, poke. Step, poke. He felt like someone was nudging him forward. Evan, Mom wants to see you in her office right away. That had been weird. His mom had had no idea what he meant. I didn't call you. I didn't call anyone, she had said. I've been on the computer. Evan, Mom wants to see you. He had been coming up the stairs. Jesse had been in the garage. She had looked anxious. Right away, she had said. Evan stopped walking. He stared at the empty cooler. Then he started to run. The wagon bounced crazily along the uneven sidewalk. Twice it tipped over. What did it matter, thought Evan angrily. There's no lemonade to spill. By the time he got home, he had it all figured out. He looked in the kitchen trash and found the three Ziploc bags, inside out and sticky with lemonade. He shook the fruit bowl and noticed how few fruit flies took to the air. If he'd had the right materials, he would have dusted the cooler for fingerprints. But there was really no need for that. He knew what he would have found. Jesse was all over this one. That rat. That lousy, rotten, stinking rat of a sister. He shouted. He went back to the garage and kicked the wagon. He knocked the cooler to the floor. He tore up his lemonade on wheels sign into a dozen pieces. He was going to lose. She had $100. He was sure of it. And he had just 62 left. Tonight, before the fireworks, when they counted their money, she would be the winner and he would be the loser. Winner takes all. Loser gets nothing. It was so unfair. Evan stomped upstairs to his room. He slammed the door so hard it bounced open again. When he went to close it, it was staring across the hallway straight into Jesse's room. He could see her neatly made bed covered in couche pillows, the poster of Bar Harbor from the trip to Maine this summer, and her night table with Charlotte's web at the ready. Evan crossed the hall and paused at Jesse's door. There was a rule about not entering. Well, she'd broken the rules first. Even though there wasn't really a rule about fruit flies and lemonade, it was clearly a dirty trick. Evan walked in and went straight to Jesse's desk drawer. There was a fake pack of gum inside the key. Did she really think he didn't know where she hid it? He'd seen her slip the key inside the box when he was passing by on his way to the bathroom. Jesse was smart, but she wasn't very smooth. He'd known for months where the key was hidden. He just hadn't bothered to use it. Until now. It took him a while to find the lockbox. He checked the bureau drawers first and then under Jesse's bed, but finally he found it hidden in her closet. Again, not very smooth. Evan carried the key and the lockbox back to his room and sat on the bed. He put the key in the lock and opened the top. Then the moment of truth, he lifted out the plastic change tray. There were a whole bunch of scraps of paper on top, and there was a folded index card, too. Evan moved those aside and found a $10 bill, paper clipped to a birthday card. Under that was an envelope labeled pre-war earnings with $4.42 inside it. That was the money Jessie had had before the lemonade war began. She'd kept it separate, just like she promised. Next to it was a fat envelope labeled lemonade earnings. Evan opened the envelope. Inside the bills were arranged by ones, fives, and tens. All the bills were facing the same way, so that the eyes of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Alexander Hamilton were all looking at Evan as he counted out the cash. Two hundred and eight dollars. 
There it was, the winning wad. Even Evan thought of how hard he'd worked that week in the blazing sun and the scorching heat. He thought about the cooler full of lemonade pouring into the grass. He thought about handing over his $62 and 11 cents to Jesse and how she'd smile and laugh and tell. Then tell everyone that she had won the lemonade war. The guys would all shake their heads. Oh, what a loser. Megan would turn away. What a stupid jerk. Evan slammed the lid of the lock box shut. He stuffed the envelope in his shorts pocket. He was not going to let it happen. He wasn't planning to keep the money, not for good, but he wasn't going to let her have it tonight. When it came time to show their earnings, he'd have $62 and 11 cents and she'd have nothing. He'd give her the money back tomorrow, maybe the day after, but not tonight. He suddenly felt a desperate need to get out of the house as fast as he could. He shoved the lockbox back into Jesse's closet and the key back into the fake pack of gum. Hey, Mom! He shouted, not even waiting for her to answer back. I'm going to the school to see if there's a game, okay? Oh, oh, hi, uh, interrupting cow. You're, you're right. You've been looking in the book and you've noticed that the next chapter, chapter 12, is only a couple pages long. And, and maybe we should in include it in today's episode. Chapter 12. Waiting period. Waiting period. Noun. A specified delay required by law between taking an action and seeing the results of that action. Jessie wanted to have fun. She really did, but it seemed like the more she tried, the less she had. First, the drive to the beach took two and a half hours because of traffic. Jessie felt the car lurching forward, stop, forward, stop. Memo to myself, said Mr. Moriarty, never go to the beach on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, especially when there's been a heat wave for more than a week. In the back seat, Jesse and Megan played license plate tag and magnetic bingo and 20 questions, but by the end of the car ride, Jesse was cramped and bored. Then the beach parking lot was full, so they had to park half a mile away and walk. Then the beach was so crowded that they could hardly find a spot for their blanket. Then Megan said the water was too cold and she just wanted to go in up to her ankles. She kept squealing and running backwards every time a gentle ripple of wave came her way. What fun was that? Sure, the water was cold. It was to the North Shore. It was supposed to be cold. That's why it felt so good on a hot day like this. When Jesse and Evan went to the beach, they would boogie board and body surf and skimboard and throw a screaming scrunch ball back and forth the whole time. They loved to stay in the water until their whoops turned blue and they couldn't stop shaking. Nah, then they'd roast themselves like weenies on their towels until they were hot and sweaty again. Then they'd go right back in. Now that was fun at the beach. Megan liked to build sandcastles and collect shells and play sand tennis and read magazines. That's all fine, thought Jesse, but not going in the water, that, well, that's just crazy. The ride home was itchy and hot. Jesse had sand in all the places where her skin rubbed together, between her toes, between her ears, and between the cheeks of her bottom. 
And somehow she'd gotten sunburned on her back, even though Mrs. Moriarty had smeared her all over with thick, goopy sunscreen twice. Jessie didn't even have the patience for ten questions, let alone twenty. But Megan didn't get that Jessie didn't feel like talking. She kept talking, or kept trying to get her to take a quiz in the teen magazine. If Evan had been there, he would have kept quiet, or maybe hummed a little. Jessie liked it when Evan hummed. As they turned onto Damon Road, Megan asked, Are you feeling sick? In fact, she was. For the past half hour, Jessie had been imagining walking in the door and facing Evan. And she had been feeling sicker and sicker with every mile that brought her closer to home. Yeah, Goat, that's uh, the end of that second chapter there. So we only have one more episode left in the Lemonade Wars. Two short chapters, and then our story will conclude. Hmm, we're kind of coming up to the climax. Gosh, I've learned all about the structure of, of books. What 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 is this called? Where, where are we at? What's happening now? I can't remember. I hope you guys remember. Anyways, thank you for listening and tune in for our final episode tomorrow.